Hello, welcome to the Ishtar Collective podcast. I'm Baxter, the founder of the Ishtar Collective. I'm Purple Chimera, the lead archivist at the Ishtar Collective. And I'm Captain Kex, creator of the Destiny Lore project dubbed The Lorg Charge. And today we are going to discuss certainty and how it relates to law research. So before we dive into the, the topic, um, just a few notes. Um, we had our second successful month of Patreon. It Yay. went really well. Yay. Yay. Thank you for being super awesome. You're yeah, welcome. Since I was <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Kex is a, is a patron, yeah. Yes, dreams do come true, patrons. Keep that money flowing. <laughs> uh, we haven't paid Kex off. He's, he's, not, he's not a corporate shill. <laughs> <laughs> On this day. Mm, mm, true. Uh, yeah, so we, we managed to raise... It actually came in... The, the total came to $198.50. I don't know how that wow. works. I don't understand the, cal- the calculation... <laughs> Like they they gave this they said they said on the page it'll be a hundred and ninety four dollars that you get if if everybody um you know sticks around for the month and we somehow made an extra four dollars fifty so that's great <laughs> thanks Patreon yeah um so yeah really happy about that and now we have to um figure out how to change all of our bills so that the patrons are paying for them instead of us. So that's the next step, but, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, we've also had a great month for transcripts. Um, we've had 97 Destiny 2 transcripts submitted and processed so far, which is just amazing. And actually, um, it was great. Uh, the other day, Bife contacted me. Um, my name is Bife. Contacted me. I shouldn't just call him Bife because everybody yeah. knows who Bife is. If you're I know. To our podcast, and you don't know who Bife is. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I feel like I should be. I, I feel like my name is Bife is is the formal kind of way to address him. Um, but he he contacted us and asked if he could use one of the transcripts in one of his videos, and. Um, we don't really, we haven't really ever published a policy around what, what should be allowed with, with transcripts. I've always just kind of had the view that, you know, this is like, you know, if you, if you share a transcript with us, um, then it's, it's free for anybody to, to use however they, they would like to, um, provided they give us and the, and the, uh, the submitter, the transcriber credit for, for doing so. Um, and obviously that's that, you know, um, my name is Bife had no problem with doing that. And, uh, it was actually one of Dr. Jazzy Bebop's transcripts. And he was uh, pretty excited that one of his transcripts had been used in, in a, in a, my name is Bife video. So that, that worked out really well. Um, also thanks to, um, the Destinypedia team and especially KFC just because they've, they've really been helping out over the last month getting transcripts um kind of sorted so yeah thanks for that um i can't think of anything else really can you stuff we're working on categories and trying to get them organized 
um, and deciding what kind of categories need to be created. Yeah. Writing summaries. So really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my main focus over the last month has really been just getting transcripts sorted. And um, I, I think we've, we've made really good progress, but I mean, there's still a huge amount left to transcribe. Um, so if you feel like helping us, please visit our forum. Um, we've had some offers of help where people have offered to donate screenshots. Uh, our, our requirements are that we, we only accept videos and that's just because it's, you know, you need the, the, um, our, our kind of standard is that we need the audio to verify that it's a real clip. I mean, I guess somebody could fake the audio, but, but, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a reasonable, (laughs) even even beyond that, that I think that one of the things, the reasons why the audio is important is because there are some audio, um, like missions, especially, I Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've really encountered this with ghost scans because they're Mm -hmm. kind of a different thing, but in missions, oftentimes you'll hear someone talking and like the connection fades out. Right. And yeah. in the uh, closed captioning or the subtitles, it'll say, you know, guardian bracket static, mm-hmm. right? But if you listen to the audio, you can hear maybe one or two more words mm-hmm. than are actually yeah. written. So that's one of the reasons why the audio is so important, because if we ever have a situation like that, you know, it can occasionally give us more information. Those extra words may, sometimes aren't important, but sometimes they are. Sometimes they're really useful. So yeah, and I think as, as well, you kind of you kind of touched something that I'd, I'd forgotten about, which is that sometimes the the subtitles don't match the audio. Again, yeah, that's that, right. that's it's unlikely to happen with 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 scans, but in a there are a few missions and quests and adventures where the um, the audio doesn't quite match the the subtitles. And in those situations, we will prefer what the what the audio says rather than the subtitles say. Uh, so that's another that's another reason why we prefer um, the the video rather than just the the screenshots. Both are good reasons. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have those housekeeping topics out of the way. Um, Let's get on to the main subject. With us today, we have Captain Kex. Uh, Captain Kex, uh, and we've all we've all had a a few discussions in the past around certainty levels and confidence levels and how they affect the the conversations that we have. I think most of us in the law community, at least I know I, you know, have a habit of saying things like 99% confirmed when I'm, I'm pretty certain something is true. Uh, but I, but I don't want to say that it actually is true. And, you know, um, we've had a lot of conversations, uh, myself, purple, um, who else? Blue, um, create six my- from focus fire chat. Yeah. Uh, beard grizzly, Mylan Games, um, yeah, we, a lot of us have had have had conversations around uh, confidence levels and, and what they actually mean. And Kex has a really 
interesting perspective on that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> like, uh, sorry, I was really I just, no, I, I realized that was a terrible intro. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, it's fine. So, so yeah, uh, it, it's actually quite fun to be here. Um, because usually when I'm on podcast it's because I've done a crazy amount of research into the lore of destiny, but this time I actually get to talk about why I've done all this crazy, uh, research into the lore because, I work as a, uh, well, I'm almost at a technical level uh, and an analyst within law enforcement in Sweden. And that means I've done that for six years and three years worth with uh, intelligence. So I've worked for over six years with trying to actually very close to what we do with the law of destiny, trying to determine certainty, trying to build theories on information that isn't really uh, clear on what's what the purpose is so it's fun to be here with my sort of my baggage uh, to try to talk about what why is it it's so important to be clear about what degree of certainty do you uh, feel that your theory has why can't you say it's confirmed when you only have one piece of information so yeah I, i'm very honored to be on for that reason yeah it's it's really exciting i know Something that we that we really we something that we care about a lot at the Ishtar Collective is avoiding spin foil, you know, uh, avoiding um, kind of drawing conclusions without enough evidence. But uh, you know, sometimes we aren't too strict about how we do that. Uh, I know I've I've said in the past. 99% confirmed. <laughs> um, but I know that's that's a phrase that you don't really like using. Well, yeah, I, I think we've actually discussed this on a couple of, of occasions as well, because I, when someone uses confirmed, it's, well, like you said, uh, you say 99% confirmed. And I, I understand what that means, but my training in, in sort of the, the basic level is that confirmed starts from actually from 95%. And that applies both on the intelligence side for me and for the sort of the, the law enforcement side. I've actually seen a judge uh, in a Swedish courtroom quote that to uh, obtain the level of certainty you need to convict someone, you need to be certain that the sort of the, the um, case that is being presented is 95% confirmed or more. So it's a very, so for me, when people say 99% confirmed, yeah, you're already there. It's, you don't need a hundred percent because hmm. there is a 5% wiggle room. Mm -hmm. Can we talk and about that, that for a second? Like, <laughs> why is, I mean, I, I kind of, because we've talked about it, but why, why do you have that wiggle room? Why can't everything be a hundred percent confirmed? Well, the basic thing about that, it, it's, it's sort of a system built upon um, the notion of getting up to confirmed and actually getting up to 100% confirmed is extremely hard because then you need information that is highly undoubtable. You can't disprove it. It should be 100. It's basically information from a system. And uh, so the uh, whole notion with intelligence work, it is built around you can reach a level of, of certainty that is confirmed by using 
pieces of information that perhaps in themselves wouldn't carry that kind of certainty. Does, does that make sense? You sort of mm -hmm. add pieces together to create a theory that is confirmed and is believed to be 95% confirmed at least. So it mm -hmm. sort of has a little wiggle room because it's very, very hard within intelligence work and within law enforcement to reach that 100% confirmation because there will always be some sliver of doubt that perhaps could be true. But if you turn it around, it's so unlikely that it's 5% and lower. So then you uh, sort of have to have that system in place that this is enough to make it uh, a confirmed theory that is enough to, for us to, you know, in, in the uh, law enforcement part, uh, convict someone. And I think you've, you've said before that um, this is a scale that the military use as well. Yeah, uh, and that I'm that I'm taking from the Swedish military. I don't know if it's, I think it's uh, pliable overseas or in the world at least uh, as well because they there is a lot of cooperation. But at least from my the the thing I've taken is the military way of using five levels of certainty, and they are they have this percentage added to it. So that's where I got my training to use five percent, ninety five percent, and up. And then I realized when I went into law enforcement that that rule actually applies within the court system as well. Not, not specifically stated. It's not stated in the Swedish law that confirmed or beyond any reasonable doubt, which is, I think, the uh, translation for when you've reached that num that level you want to get to to convict someone. But I've seen a couple of, of judges actually using the term 95% and up. Hmm. And uh, I know that in your notes you made the the comparison to uh, science, which I think is a really interesting one, because in in science, generally we'll come up with a, a model that describes something, and as we learn new information, we'll either refine or replace that model. And the models that have persisted for a long time are the ones that we class as as the most accurate. Yeah. But even there, we don't necessarily know that. They are the truth. They're just a model that provides accurate results. Yeah, and it, it's the sort of the the best one that can't be <clears throat> utterly disproven with another theory. So mm -hmm. in my mind, that is equivalent to taking multiple pieces of information, putting them together, like you say, in a system or in a, um, a way something should work, and then saying this is the most uh, this is the highest level of certainty we can get. This is most likely to be what is the as close to the truth as we can get right now. And mm -hmm. we accept that as a truth, and then it's confirmed. Mm. Gravity. <laughs> yes, well, gravity is one thing. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm I'm not a scientist, so I, I might be treading into deep water. But someday, somehow, we might see something that changes our view on how gravity works. It might not change. It doesn't change gravity. Gravity is is what it is. But it will perhaps change our understanding of it. And that's the sort of that five percent wiggle room that there could be something in the model that we use to describe gravity that might be not 100% accurate right now. Mm -hmm. Do we want to talk about putting this into a game? Why are we talking about this on a gaming podcast? <laughs> we should. Well, I, I have one 
um, well, I have one example that I usually use when I'm talking about this, and this is the Osiris card example, to me at least. Um, it is generally agreed upon that the Osiris Grimoire card is the speaker is talking in that card. And we use, we've used logic to determine that, and nobody is really debating that it isn't, but it's never stated anywhere. There's a slight possibility that there might be somebody else that uses the same kind of linguistics, the same kind of descriptive words that fits into that theme as well, but it's highly unlikely that it is. And like you say, why are we, why, why, why are we talking about certainty? Well, for me, at least, this is what drew me into the lore of destiny because the lore of destiny is built around uh, small pieces of information that you have to puzzle into one into a model. We have to create a model of how we, do we think the system works. And that's why I think it's very important to talk about certainty because there is a lot of information in the game, but there are still a lot of areas that aren't reaching that 95% or above certainty. They are highly likely to be something, but it's not confirmed to me. I love this because it ties so well into my the research that I do um, with history um, and the, that I thus also apply to my research that I do with Ishtar because there are times when you find, for example, a letter and the signature page is damaged or lost. You don't know who wrote the letter, but you can use the context clues around it to you know to try to figure out who wrote it you know if you just find a letter flying in the street probably it's going to be pretty hard to figure out who wrote it but mm. if you find a letter that's bundled up with 15 other letters right that are all from you know from person a to person b the last one doesn't have a signature page but the handwriting looks pretty similar and they're all been tied together and they were in this person's you know private box of keepsakes um it's likely perhaps even probable that that letter is <laughs> yeah. i'm very careful with my words now because <laughs> <next. laughs> um that, that, yeah. well but you can use these contexts was read what the letter is about you know look at the handwriting look at the word choices you know look at the context around this to try to figure out who wrote the letter and we're kind of doing the same thing mm-hmm um, you know, with with these grimoire cards, like the Osiris card that doesn't have officially an, a signature on it that says, you know, I wrote this, love the speaker. Um, <laughs> I do love the speaker. So, yeah, I don't know if you, you may not have read Kex's recent blog post on the Ishtar Collective blog, <laughs> but Kex does love the speaker. <laughs> well, I do. I do understand and respect. Uh, well, I hope I understand and respect the, uh, <laughs> the commitment he's been making. Yeah. Hmm. Nice plug. So, but the other thing that I, I kind of have to remember, and I think that sometimes all of us in the lore community needed to be reminded about this, is that, you know, this is a game. <laughs> and yes. when it's a game at some level, as much as we like to pretend that it's all completely real as far as like, it could be this or it could be that, you know, when it comes down to it, there is a group of people, most of them probably on the West Coast of America, making <laughs> things up and writing it down, yeah. right? So 
is there a chance that it's the Osiris card is not written by the speaker? Sure. But from a game development perspective, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to have a completely new character that we haven't been introduced to yet be writing a card that's like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I actually, I, I love that uh, you're saying that because I really, really agree. And that's sort of also the the fun part about analyzing this information because you know that you can always apply that logic that this is a game. This is meant to drive a story forward. So you can almost eliminate theories based upon that notion that this is a this is a game. It, they are trying to convey a story. It sort of limits the scope when you're trying to build theories. And I, I actually think that's very fun and, and creative. But as you say, you have to remember that when you're talking about the lore of Destiny. Hmm. Yeah, it's something that we don't really get to do when you're doing research in real life because there's always the possibility that there's an extra person right yeah. there's always a possibility that there was some other secret another person we didn't discover yet because we haven't found that that letter that connects them or we haven't found that you know piece of evidence that connects this extra person or this extra event to whatever we're we're looking at but in a game, because it's self-contained, you, you don't have that problem. So all of the information, there's kind of this extra element of like, okay, what are the developers yeah. at Bungie trying to tell us? You know, is this a coincidence that they use the same symbol, the same word, the same phrase? Are they, or are they doing it on purpose, right, to give people like us in the lore community who just dig over these things so much are they giving us a hint are they saying <clears throat> here's a reward for spending all of this time reading the, the, the quotes of blue armor <laughs> you know, like, who does that i don't know <laughs> well I, I, I have sorry i have yeah. read all the greens of course of, of course I, I do i get yelled at all the time every time i play this every time i log on and my and I'm playing with my friends. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like dead in the corner. I'm like three rooms back. I'm like, I picked up an engram. It's a green engram purple. I don't care. I have to read the thing. I, yeah. I, I actually love, and I think there's a great example of sort of how we can apply that gaming logic. The, uh, the Ahamkara or the worms quote, oh, hmm, mine. I mean, they, it, it's something that you pick up on instantly. And then it, in a normal sort of in a world perspective, if I were doing an investigation and people used that quote, I would not put those people together because it's, if you turn around, if you flip it over, it's just words. And if you happen to use the same words in the same way, I mean, that's it doesn't really tell you something. But within the lore of destiny, it tells us something because we can sort of predict that mm, perhaps the writer is trying to say us tell us something in this situation it's a really it's really interesting when you think about the comparison to real life in that particular situation because as you say if it was a court case and somebody was to say, well, Your Honor, these two guys used really similar <laughs> phrases. <laughs> they must be in cahoots. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that or they're from the same area and they use <laughs> colloquialisms. Or perhaps they have the same mother and father. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but actually, I mean, yeah, I, I love that. It's so fun to, to sort of 
turn it on its head and, and think about it like that. But when you put it inside the game, you like you say, you you can. You, it's a confined space. It's a little box. You don't have to apply the same <laughs> sort of alternate theories or should be disproven situation. Mm -hmm. Shall we go on to the next section that we have? Yeah, let's do it. Did we cover everything there? Okay. So, um, do you want to kick us off, Kex? Well, I, I think you guys should really start to talk about it because I only found out that this term actually exists in Sweden as well. And the problem oh. really for me is that uh, Swedish is, I've read somewhere that Sweden, Swedish has like a third of words that the English you know, words that would do the English language. So it's always kind of hard to find those words that translate into a, a, the perfect word when you're trying to discuss this so we really like to hear you guys talk about it before i jump in to make sure i'm not well making a mistake all right well now that we've gotten into this and and i've rediscovered abductive reasoning i think that might be the more appropriate wording <laughs> well i do remember when we were discussing this i'm sure we talked about inductive this is a very long time ago uh we talked about inductive versus abductive and is, is Sherlock Holmes not abductive reasoning? No, I think it, it isn't, actually. Uh, well... Uh, Probably uses they, all of them. It says it, can't, it doesn't fit with the... Uh, another form of scientific reasoning that doesn't fit with inductive or deductive reasoning is abductive. It usually starts with an incomplete set of observations and proceeds to the likeliest possible explanation with a group of observations. Well, I guess, sort of. For example, a person walks into the living room, finds torn up papers all over the floor. The person's dog has been alone in the room all day. The person concludes that the dog tore up the paper because it is the most likely scenario. So, sort of, but not exactly, I guess. It I depends on where really, you start. <laughs> I don't think I really followed that. It's taking... Well, what is missing? Yeah, this abductive reasoning seems the most like what we have been trying, what we've been talking about, right? You have a series of events in this example. Um, you go into your living room, there's paper torn up all over the floor. Your dog has been in that room all day. Most likely scenario is that your dog tore up this paper. Yeah. There might be other information we don't have. Like maybe while you were out, your sister brought her daughter you know, who's little and the daughter came and tore up the piece of paper and it didn't get cleaned up before you got home. But you don't mm -hmm. have that piece of information. So with the information that you have, knowing that there's torn up paper on the floor and that your dog was in this room, you draw the conclusion that the dog tore up the paper. And it, it does say here as well that abductive reasoning is often used by doctors who make a diagnosis based on test results. And by jurors. So yes, that is the most, uh, that is probably what we are using more than the other ones. Well, you're using it in combination, I guess. This, does I only, this, only a, this is only for a specific scenario, right? It's not hmm. for creating models for the future, but inductive is. But I think, you know, just, just to go back to Sherlock okay. Holmes, but I mean, I don't know why that's important. I think Sherlock Holmes does use abductive reasoning. And I think, yeah, you know, like yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle was a doctor and um, he he probably was used to 
um, having a bunch of facts and trying to, you know, uh, draw conclusions. So, um, it can be difficult to draw conclusions from limited sets of data. Do you have any thoughts on that, Kex? Well, yeah, I, I do. I mean, that's, <clears throat> like I said before, that's one of the things that drew me into the, the lore of destiny because you're given a, and I think actually Bundy did a, a great job of, at giving us a world uh, in during destiny, the first uh, destiny, actually during the second one as well. But then just looking at what they gave us then, it was really a world building part that they did because they gave us a lot of information, but that information wasn't necessarily connected to each other, but using sort of knowing that this, this is a world that they've created. They want us to try to understand it. We could take that limited set of data. We could try to build sort of bridges between that data to better understand the world. Because when you first go in and read the grimoire, you're just lost. What is this? This there's talk, there's mention of this and that. And, but when you, start to piece those things together you start to draw your own conclusions you start to formalize a theory you start to sort of you take information and then you build a like you said earlier in in science you build a model for this is how i think this world should work this is how i think this part works this is a rough estimation of a timeline that this is how we think i mean i've been in so many discussions on where does merimbjorn place itself within the timeline. And I think that's a very interesting because these these kind types of discussions are often, it's what I often do at work as well. We get a limited set of data. We get some evidence. We get some footprints on uh, at a crime scene. You get a couple of, uh, perhaps someone has been seen on a, uh, um, on a surveillance video. You have other pieces of information. And if you take that little point of data, you don't have enough to draw a conclusion. But then you take a lot of these points and you start to build a theory. And this is, I think, why the lore of Destiny got so popular on Destiny lore and all over the place. And you have people like My Name is Bife and you have people like Mylon Games that create these awesome um, theories on how does this these limited sets of data correlate? How do we build a working theory on how do we think this world works. And I think that's the sort of why people were drawn into it, because you could do that. You could do that with the information given. You weren't reaching confirmed levels, but you could be reaching likely or possible or highly likely. We want to jump down and talk about degrees of certainty since you just brought them up, Kex. We <laughs> haven't really talked about what the words mean that you use, like possible and probable and likely. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, and again, this is I've taken a lot of these from my from my work, primarily in intelligence, but also uh, in investigations. And I think I you helped me, uh, Purple, to create a model for when I would do in my little YouTube video series. And let's see if I can just I'm not gonna plug that, but I'm gonna try to see if I can <laughs> find the work you did in helping me finding words that were like a good description of it. So here we go. Let's see. So I had a, a confirmation shot that I called it the levels of certainty. So speculation, that's 0%, right? Nothing supports the claim. Anything goes. You can, 
you can speculate all you want. And speculation is often, you can disprove speculation pretty easily, but if you're speculating, it's fair game. You can just make up whatever you want. And that does not end up on each star collective. And then you have possible above that, and that's sort of 1% to 30% certainty. The, that's the lowest level of certainty. This is when the theory only has one or two pieces of information that supports it, but the information does not necessarily advance the theory itself, and any number of other theories could be equally possible. So that's a very low level of certainty that you can have multiples of these theories going simultaneously because they are all equally acceptable. They don't they do not disprove it themselves or the other one. Then you have probable, which is 34 to 66%. This is the middle level of certainty. This is when the theory has a few pieces of information supporting it, and the supporting information advances the theory. So then we've taken a step up. Step up. You have information that supports your theory and often sort of not perhaps disproves another theory, but talks towards your own theory more than it talks towards the other theory. Then you have likely, which is 67 to 95, and that's the higher level of certainty. Uh, this is when the theory has multiple pieces of information supporting it, and the information strongly supports the theory being accurate. So this is where I think most of our current theories exist. This is the step below confirmed. We have multiple pieces of information that that are all sort of aimed at the same focal point, but you haven't reached that point where you can definitively say this is confirmed. And confirmed late, uh, the last one, that it's 95 to 100, highest level of certainty. This is when information can only support one outcome. Information has either been witnessed by a credible source, or that outcome is so heavily supported by any other claim, uh, that, it, that it, sorry, or that outcome is so heavily supported that any other claim at the current date is disregarded. Again, that little wiggle room, not 100%. Hmm. So that's the model I, well, uh, Purple helped me to uh, um, sort of use when I made my videos. And I, I, I like using that theory, that model, because it's a, it's a way to describe to other people and make other people understand what are you, how certain are you of a theory without every time going into every bullet point, because not everyone wants to sit through a one and a half hour video when you go through every piece of, piece of information. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, something that, you know, we often have summaries on our categories written by purple and they, um, have references that they, that they make to, to justify their claims. Um, but one thing that we also do is whenever we add an item or a card or a, an entry, you know, some, when we add some document to a category, we have the ability to mark how how certain we are that that document belongs in that category. And that's something that, that we've, you know, um, it's something that I think, I think we could do a better job of. And, and uh, I, I'd really like us to, to improve. Um, and one way that, that, that we've discussed doing it is, you know, purple gave this talk and uh, give a, give a, she she recorded a podcast about um bias in uh, in research 
And one of the subjects that she covered was objective versus subjective information. If, so, you, if you want, you can go listen to it. It's not very long. <laughs> Pause. It's a great episode. <laughs> so how would you um, inc include objective and subjective as kind of attributes when you're putting together your model, Kex? Well, I think it's it's a very important thing. And also, I, I should mention that I've seen a, a credible source that is a former um, law writer at Bungie state that there are subjective grimoire cards in Destiny 1 at least, which is, mm -hmm. I think it's... And, and yeah, exactly, absolutely. So, and he uses, again, the speaker card is one great example. It calls the speaker a high priest who has a mysterious connection to the traveler. Now, that's obviously a, it's based, it's a subjective information because it's based upon what the ideologists around the speaker that is pro-speaker in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, as that person said, I don't think Osiris would agree with that card. Yeah. Um, so it's really sort of, for me, and again, this also comes in hand when you're working, like I said, in my past experience, you have to view information and try to obtain, is this subjective or objective information? And most likely it's subjective. And then, I mean, go listen to to Purple's episode because it's a really great one um, where she talks about certain degrees of subjectiveness and what are, why are they subjective and how much should you sort of trust the information. It's a really good one. But we don't have a lot of objective information in in the Destiny lore. We have a couple have of a those. Lot of objective information in life. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. But, <laughs> but we do have some of those sort of transcripts that are being put out, and we can. We have to throw a little. We have to be a little sort of. We have to accept them as objective information sometimes. But most of them are subjective. It's one person's view on a situation, and. Uh, the as the more subjective they are, the more you can see that this person isn't a reliable source. The less mm. likely you put that information into you. We we use a terminology a system in, in law enforcement where you can use you can use intelligence information to create uh, to start an investigation, but you have to strongly support that claim with other information because you have to look at the is this subjective? How is this sub subjective? So you have you have to have multiple points of data talking about the same thing in roughly the same manner, and they can't be connected to each other because then they will influence each other. Then you create a strong theory because then you have multiple sources that are not connected to each other, at least in a sort of a very close fashion, saying the same thing. Then you can start to accept that information as likely or even moving it up to confirm. I created a section on confidence levels on the Ishtar Collective. But I don't know, you know, I don't think there's too much to go into there because I just copied and pasted the description from one of our guides. Um, I think you should really, it's a good, I, I like that system because you don't have to make, you don't need a system as in-depth as mine because Let's face it, like we are talking about a game. We are talking about not everyone needs that five levels of, or rather six, of course, uh, of certainty. Mm -hmm. Your system is really good because it's very easy to, to very quickly 
deduce or induce or whatever <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, how 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 confident you are that this information relates to that topic and i we have talked about this how you um, you what systems you use to determine it and i really think it's a good i that's why i loved ishtar-collective.net in the first place because you had this system that i that strongly speaks towards me uh, in my role uh, at work Okay, well, we can we can talk about it. So, um, I I have there's a description on the FAQ um, on our website. This is a slightly different document that that is used to instruct people who might um, who who are who have access to the admin system and might want to change confidence levels. Um, and so, what we what we say is um, we have we have we technically have four levels. So we have zero out of three, which means that this item or card or entry or whatever, whatever the document is, should not be in this category. And the reason that we have the zero is that sometimes we might say, uh, we might initially think that a, a document belongs in a category, but then later on we realize actually that doesn't make sense. Um, and we, we could, you know, just delete the the, the link between the two, but rather than do that, it actually makes more sense for our purposes to, to maintain that record and just change what the what the value is. So zero out of three, which we call unrelated, that's the, the lowest level of confidence that we have. Um, then we have one out of three, which is loosely related, which means that a categorization is at least technically correct. Um, it might be more relevant than that, but you know, generally speaking, what, what that means is that this document belongs in that category. It might be that the let's say if the if the the category was Zavala, it might be that in this instance it's um, a case where one character is talking about Zavala. So that means that. You know, Zavala. It could just be a passing reference. So it's it's not that we learn anything more about Zavala, and it's not like Zavala himself is is talking. It's more that in in this particular document he's just referenced. Maybe maybe in a list. You know that sometimes happens. Um, the next level of confidence is two out of three, somewhat related, and this means that. That it, we have more certainty than the, the previous level. They might not discuss the subject in much detail, but it, it, you know, it could be like a second-hand source or something. You know, somebody talking about a character, um, and we say, you know, this this person has um, a great deal of knowledge about that character. So it might be Cade talking about Zavala. In that instance. You know, he's not just making a passing reference to him. He might be, you know, describing some um, characteristic of Zavala. Um, and then the final level of confidence that we have is three out of three, mostly related. And this is even in cases where we can't be 100% certain that, that, that this is the appropriate category. We do say that, you know, definitely if a, if a character is speaking then we say it is mostly related. But even if we have 
very high confidence that it's related to a particular subject, then we'll put we'll we'll, we'll set that as as three out of three. So three out of three doesn't mean a hundred percent. It just means that we are very confident that this document belongs in that category. And I think a great example of that is the messages from Toland category. Um, there are, I think there are eight cards in that category and six of those cards we have in there as, um, as a, as a three out of three and two of those cards we have in there as a two out of three. And the reason for that is because in the ones where the character is, is talking specifically about events that describe Toland's past so that they describe you know, um, his fire team, um, the first Crota fire team. In those instances, it seems really likely that that is Toland talking. In in some of the other examples, in the in the, the two that are marked as two out of three, there's a little more doubt because we we don't actually know for certain that they belong, you know, in in that set. But 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 it it seems like it seems like they do. Um, so that basically describes it. Does that make sense? It does. I like it. I really do. What do you think about it, Purple? Because I know it kind of predates your involvement in the Ishtar Collective. It does. But I I think it's great. Um, I have used it on occasion. But it, it is something we've kind of has been there passively. I haven't really interacted with it all that much as far as, as changing them or, or thinking about yeah. The levels. Um, but I, I do think it's something that we should start using in the future. I think it's really great. I, I like that it's there. And I think that it's really useful for uh, people who are coming in mm. uh, and looking at the website um, and seeing kind of, a, it's almost like a reveal of our logic, right? We put this in, yeah. we're pretty confident. Oh, like, why is that card in there? Oh, I see. They think that it, you know, maybe you can draw a conclusion from that. Oh, they must think that this, yeah. this card is written by Toland, right? Yeah. Um, because they put it in a pretty high confidence level. But I think it might be useful to, obviously, this isn't something that we can do in the, in the short term, but I would love to be able to put an explanation of why we put something into a category. You know, um, sometimes it makes sense to be able to say, you know, um, we've put this in as a as three out of three, and this is why, because it, it may not be obvious on for you know if it's if it's a case of like as I said Zavala saying something in that instance, that means that we we know we have first hand evidence we were we were effectively there to see Zavala say that that sentence. Well, so, so like it's the Titan Vanguard mm-hmm. card is in the Zavala category. Mm-hmm. Obviously. <laughs> like yeah. this mm-hmm. is the Titan Van like it's about Zavala. That's clearly yeah. a three out of three. That doesn't need much explanation. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And and th- in those situations I don't think we would need any note. But some of them you know, like the messages from Toland category, that's an example where in in most of those 
I don't think the word Toland is mentioned in any of those cards, you know? Yeah. He doesn't sign his name, as you said, uh, with uh, the same with the the, um, the Osiris card being written by the speaker. There's no um, there's no hard evidence that 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 was um, that that the the Toland the messages from Toland card are actually messages from Toland, yeah. but the the context and the content of the messages are such that we can say, look. If anybody's seeing this, it's it's almost certainly Toland. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, that that would be highly likely. So to to be able to add a note for people who are new to the website would be really useful. So that might be something that we want to think about in the future. Obviously, there are I don't know how many categorizations there are. Um, I could probably find out. Do, 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 do. Just put it in our list of never-ending things to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hopefully the difficulty before the game is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that, but we'll we'll have a good effort anyway. So I'm just doing the query. So there are four thousand eight hundred and forty-two categorizations wow. on the website. Oh, good. Um... That's none. Only only a couple. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, let me just figure this out. Do, do, do. 144 of them are 0 out of 3. So we wouldn't want to put a note against those ones. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Unless it was something like we were disproving something, but that would probably be a, a very unique situation. Oh, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. It would be... Mm. It, my my offhanded thought would be that you know we have this information so here here's an example like we think that this card goes in the osiris category right but then mm-hmm. the next expansion comes out and it's very clear that we were wrong about that conclusion <laughs> yeah yeah you know? that's a good point yeah okay well more work to do <laughs> that's cool <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dredgen Yor would be a, a good reference on Resilacia, right? There were the number one or number two theory was that he was either a warlock or a hunter, and then Bungie made him a titan. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I think we've covered we've covered all of the things <laughs> that we were planning on covering. Yeah, I got um, just one more like little um, addition or uh, conclusion yeah. before we uh, head out. So, mm-hmm. um, just we are a lot of people are coming into the community and the lore community, and I've seen you can see this on on Reddit and everywhere that people often or sometimes can assume too high of a certainty for theories that are coming out of reliable sources. So mm-hmm. I've seen, and this I think is a very if you're doing a podcast like you guys are it's very important to be very sure about what types of words you use. I've discussed it in length with Myolin, uh, and he tries to, he, he really follows this very well. He tries to avoid saying that things are confirmed because he doesn't want his listeners to go into a website and say, well, Myolin said that this was confirmed, so that it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really want people to sort of, 
not question everybody, but uh, really look at what what are the supporting pieces of information for this theory. Does it make sense? Does it make sense mm-hmm. to me? Because some a lot of people are playing catch up with the uh, with the law right now, and I think there's a risk that people will just take old theories for granted and apply them in the future. I really hope that people will be sort of question what what. Hopefully, that theory is good enough to have its supporting claims be very visible in the theory, right? That's how you always should present theory. These are my facts or these are my pieces of information and I conclude this. This is my theory from that. So I really hope that people will try to think of of certainty, think of, is this really he's saying that it's confirmed. Is it really confirmed? Hmm. I think it's a difficult thing, especially if you're if you don't have a, a deep f- familiarity with with yeah. the law. Yeah. It's really it's it's not easy to question um, a lot of the theories. And I know I still there's a lot of um, people who still believe that Rasputin shot the traveler, and it seems increasingly unlikely. You know, especially yeah. with the with the intro at Destiny Two, it seems. Very, very. I would say it's, it, at this point, it's 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 very, very unlikely that Rasputin um, attacked the Traveler. Yeah. But it's a very popular theory, and it that you know there may be it may be a direction that Bungie were considering going in at one point, but but that doesn't seem to be the direction that that they that yeah. they've been going in for quite a long time. And it can be hard for people to, you know, if if somebody comes across a post. That suggests that it's um, it's quite tempting. To, I can imagine it would be quite tempting to to believe that because it's such a yeah. a compelling and interesting theory. Yeah, um, yeah. And I hope um, I really hope that people have. I really want people to question. I mean, even if you're not as in depth as somebody is talking on on Reddit, if you have another opinion, voice it. I, I love mm-hmm. when people challenge my ideas. For example, when I'm writing on, I, I often try to post on Destiny Lore when I have the time because I love being on that subreddit. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, on your own, uh, the uh, forums here over at Ishtar. And it's because I love getting, that's how you test the theory, right? People ask you questions. People sort of try to not disprove it, but really they, that's what they're trying to do. They try to disprove your theory and that's mm-hmm. how you make either a theory stronger or you sort of see that, well, this isn't really holding up. Yeah. So my hope is that people don't accept things that are written as truth now because we have new information and that might disprove another theory or shake it up in its uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. Something to just think well about said. when you're reading these <laughs> Uh, theories is to just make sure or just when you're reading someone's theory see how much evidence they present yeah it it can often be a pretty easy way to say oh is this worth looking into more to see if i agree or disagree or if it holds up or is it just like someone being really spin foily and crazy yeah. You know, if someone just gets on and they're like, these things are true. And you're like, why? And they're like, because they are. <laughs> <laughs> I read them on the Internet, but then they are right. true. <laughs> but if someone sits down and writes out a theory and says, 
you know, I'm using this card and this card says this and this weapon says this quote, you know, and they provide a lot of evidence, then that's someone, one, that's a theory that's worth at least investigating, even if it turns out to not be true. And two, that's a kind of person that's worth having a serious dialogue with because yeah. they obviously are are good about you know doing the research and presenting the information um in a reasonable way yeah well i think that is a great way to wrap up everything that we've talked about um so thank you everybody for listening uh, as usual, you can find us at www.ishtar-collective.net and on Twitter at ishtarcall. If you are a patron, keep an eye out for our new poll uh, to vote on the next topic for our podcast that we'll be recording next week. Thank you very much, Kex, for being our very first guest on our podcast here. Can tell everybody where we can find you. Yeah, you can find me on, I'm usually pretty active on Twitter at, at CaptainKex, C-P-T-K-A-X. Uh, I'm on uh, Destiny Lord, uh, the same name. And I also have, if you follow Reddit thread down, you have reddit-com slash r slash the Lorg chart, um, where you can see why, why, why do I, but how did I get to be on this podcast? Because I've, it's quite <laughs> a long story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there you can see my crazy lore project and why uh, why you could be what you should not should but why you might give me the uh, time of day to explain why I think my theories could be correct and I <laughs> should also want to say that I think everybody should support uh, Ishtar Collective on Patreon because you guys do a hell of a job and we all need you ah. <laughs> I'm not biased well, at all thank you very much um <laughs> And your check is in the post. Oh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been Baxter. I've been Purple Chimera. See you next time. Bye.